So good morning, everybody. If you have purchased the new book over Mark, I want you to take a look at it. Our next reading date, which is why Pastor Mark uh, told us to do uh, Matthew 23 through 28, is April the 25th. Today's the 15th. I'm sorry, today's the 10th. We got 15 days before we have assigned reading, so do that. So good morning, everybody. I was going to talk about uh, Palm Sunday, but Chris Pierce did a great job of that. The only thing I would add uh, to that is that uh, it was the greatest council culture of the time when Christ walked in or rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and just a few short days later they crucified him that's what cancel culture seeks to do when you follow Christ what happens you rise from the grave there's no cancellation for you amen so there's my introduction because everything else was done all right so we're doing Malachi and praise God we are at the end of the Old Testament we are in year five and we're closing in on this and once it's all done we are going to do it again amen so very little is known about Malachi except that Malachi means my messenger and that the setting of the book is in the fifth century BC uh, so between 450 and 430 BC so uh, this was the post excellent period of time in which the um, it was after the post-exile, so they had come back to Jerusalem. It's about 450 years or so before the birth of Christ. The Jewish people were still under the political dominion of Persia, and it may be because of this exile that, and and of still being under the role uh, the rule of a foreign nation, that the people of Jerusalem were indifferent and resentful towards God. If you didn't catch that in the reading this week they were not being very good stewards Craig Blazing writes in his commentary that both priests and the people were violating the stipulations of the Mosaic law regarding sacrifices, tithes and offerings so the people's hope in God's covenant promises had dimmed as evidenced by their intermarriages with pagans divorces and general moral ambivalence So the fact that Malachi rebuked the priest's malpractice in the temple shows that the temple had been rebuilt and reestablished. So we can kind of narrow down the time frame on that. The moral and spiritual conditions Malachi addressed were similar to the encounter, uh, those encountered by Ezra, who returned in 458 B.C., and uh, Nehemiah, who returned in 444 B.C. Uh, These include intermarriages with Gentiles, the lack of people's support for the Levites, who are the priests, and the oppression of the poor. So either Malachi was addressing the same generation as Ezra and Nehemiah, or they were addressing the generation that came later, but it wasn't very far later. So if you haven't caught on by now, most of the prophets uh, have always seemed to be rebuking Israel, uh, the Jewish people, or they're rebuking one of their neighbors or more of their neighbors or they're rebuking both however in Malachi it seems that uh, enough had been enough God had said that I'm not happy with you 
So, however, uh, God brings forth six messages in Malachi. And these messages are that God loves us. That we are to honor God. To be faithful to God's covenant. To have hope in God. To obey God. And to fear God. Now I could break this down. Each one of them. And do a lecture on it. And it would most assuredly be a lecture. I can tell you this because the first draft of this sermon that I wrote was 27 pages long. Had over 6,000 words. And I, I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> it would take probably just a little over an hour to preach that one. So I asked for help from the men here, the pastors, and, and uh, they guided me through this. And uh, we took the largest section, which has three of the messages in it, and that's chapter 3, and that's the one I'm going over today. Um, sometimes when you hear me say that in this book or that book or in this location, I'm going to be paraphrasing, so it will not be up on the screen. That's different for me. We're not going to have a ton of scripture up on the screen. So, if you hear me say in this, get ready to write it down. So let's begin with this. We're going to start with the hope in God. And sometimes we lack hope in God and in what he will bring to us. However, God is faithful to us and even tells us what the future holds. And let's start in Malachi 3.1. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant, whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Did y'all catch that? First of all, God just told Israel that John the Baptist was coming. He didn't name him by name, but he said it was my messenger is coming to prepare a way for me. And secondly, you remember Malachi means my messenger. Secondly, he said, the Lord you are seeking, the messenger of my covenant, whom you desire, will come. That is Jesus Christ. That straight up is a prophecy of John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. And since this happened about 450-ish years before Christ was born, the Israeli people had to wait a hot minute before that came to pass. By the time it did come to pass, what happened? They didn't really believe it. So, the Lord gave them another hope in Malachi 3.6. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. That's a beautiful thing right there. Being a descendant of Jacob, we are not destroyed. They escape destruction because of the, they are descendants of Jacob. The descendants of Esau did not fare as well. I want to show you another passage of hope in 1 Peter 1.3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. We now have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's more hope to be had. He gave us hope through our own faithful, for through his own faithfulness to us. Would you rob God of that joy that he has when he gives us hope? 
Would you rob him of doing that? Would you rob God of the opportunity to show us his love when he gives us hope? We have our hope in Jesus Christ right here at this church. The next message is to obey God. The Israeli people seem to have an issue with this one, and I'd venture to say that each one of us have had an issue with that at a time or two. I know I have. So we're going to start in Malachi 3.7. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? If you've read any of the prophets that we have done, they always tell you how to return. This one does not. They should have known by now that what we need to do is stop going in that direction. If we have a child walking that way towards the traffic and we say, come back, what must that child do to come back? Turn around. That's how you come back to Jesus. That's how you come back to God. Is that you turn around from the direction you are going. Return to me and I will return to you. You know, God wants a relationship with us. And when we return to a right relationship with him, he is there with us. Many of you have heard my testimony of the period of time, or years rather, that I was angry with God. And when I returned to him, he was right there with me. So I had lost hope when I'd lost my career. But God gave me a new hope. Part of that was obeying what God had for me in my life. And that was to attend seminary even though I was, I thought it was a bad idea. But God said it. I did it. Here we are. God also told me to move to New Mexico. I was faithful in that. And he brought me right here to this church. Where I've met many new people. And reacquainted with many people I'd known when I lived here in the 90s. And I have to tell you, if things were to change, if I could go back in time and change anything in my life, I would not do it for this simple reason, is that I love where I am at right now and I would not change a thing. And if you've heard anything about my testimony, you have known what I've gone through. It was not a fun time. When we obey God, things happen. So recall the people of Israel didn't obey God when they made the golden calf and worshipped it in Exodus 32. Moses reminds them of this disobedience when he speaks to them in Deuteronomy 9. Moses, on behalf of, Moses interceded on behalf of his people with God when they did this. He wanted to destroy them. I want you to listen to this. Deuteronomy 4, 30 through 31. When you are in distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice, for the Lord your God is a merciful God, he will not forsake you nor destroy you nor forget the covenant of your fathers which he swore to them. That's a beautiful thing. He's not going to forget us. He loves us. When we obey his voice, things happen. 
The Lord again states that he will be there when we turn from sin and obey his voice. God always provides a way to return to him. So let's continue in chapter 3 of Malachi with 8, verses 8 through 12. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a, so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will, pre- I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop the fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Uh Uh-oh. The new guy is going to preach over tithing. There's two reasons for this. One, it's in the scripture. We just read it. It's over what we're doing. Number two, it's important to God. I want you to think on this. Did you know that a good preacher will spend a minimum of 20 hours researching his sermon before preaching it to the congregation. That's a minimum of 20 hours. In addition to this, they will practice practice out loud. They may read over it 100 times, but they will practice out loud two, three, four times before they ever get up and do it. I want you to add that. Let's say a sermon is 30 minutes long because math is not my strong suit. But we do two, three, four times. That's one to two hours more on top of our research time of over 20 hours. Now imagine this. You have pastors that can't be paid because no money's coming into the church. They have to get a second job to make ends meet because they still have bills. And what happens? There are two things at minimum that happen with this. One is that they don't do the 20 hours of research and they get up and wing it. And you guys are not blessed with that. Or two, they spend less time in rest and less time with their families, which causes strife in their families, which takes their mind off the task at hand. And you are not blessed with that. So let's see what else Scripture tells us about tithes and offerings. You can write this down, Deuteronomy 16, 17. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. So according to what God has given you, you can give back. Would you rob God of that? What has God given you that you do not return? In Nehemiah 10, the people are reminded in their post-exile world to give the first portion of their crops to the Lord. We should bring these first fruits to our abund- of our abundance to the, as a tithe to the Lord. Now don't get me wrong, I'll take some fruits and vegetables. I get hungry. So if you haven't been here long enough and you haven't noticed that on the other side of the vestibule, just down the stairs, there's a whole table full of bread. 
that people bring in and donate to those who want it and those who need it. It's right across from the coffee bar. And sometimes people will bring in donuts or other sweets to have with your coffee. These are donations that they have because they love you. And this is how they serve God, by serving you and making sure that you have enough. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 tells us to honor God, honor the Lord with what we have and with the first portion of our yield, but also adds that when we do this, our barns will be filled and our wine vats will be overflowing. We just read that in Malachi 3.10, and we will read it again in a minute. We are to honor God, and we'll receive abundance. And just ask any person that has even the smallest of gardens, when they have an abundance and it is harvest time, you will find fresh roots and fr- you will find fresh vegetables at least back there on that table, because they're trying to give it away because they have too much and they want to bless you. And if you leave your car door unlocked, you may find some in there after church. Who knows? You laugh because it's true. In Mark 12, 17, Jesus tells us to give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to give to God what is God's. What a novel idea, to give to God what is God's. What belongs to God? Anybody know? In financial peace class, Dave Ramsey said that it all belongs to God, everything. So let's go to the scripture that says that, Deuteronomy 10, 14. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. Well, I guess old Dave was right. We just are managers of what God has provided for us to manage. God requires us to give a tenth back to him, and what return will you receive? Proverbs already reminded us that our barns will be filled and our wine vats be overflowing. But recall what Malachi said in chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God says to test him in this. Don't get this mixed up when Christ was being tempted where he said, do not tempt the Lord. This is a test. God says, test me in this. So take him at his word. Increase your giving as as you see fit. Pray about it. And test him in this to see if an abundance does not come your way. And if you have a problem with that, take it up with God because he's the one that said it. So pray about it and seek his counsel. Follow his guidance. Would you rob God of the opportunity to show you that he is faithful in his word and will bless your life through your obedience? Would you rob yourself of the potential of that blessing? In Luke 6.46, Jesus asked the question, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? Why indeed do you call him Lord if you're not going to obey what he says? If you decide you want to obey God, or even test him with your faithfulness, in giving there are boxes in the back, 
on uh, next to the double doors with envelopes where you can put your tithes in. And also on the same boxes are prayer, prayer cards where you can write your prayers down. And the elders will pray for you when they, when they meet on Monday. And if you have a praise, if you've asked for prayers before from the elders, if you have a praise, please put that on there as well. They love to see where God is working in your lives when you ask for prayers from them. And if you're a modern kind of person, you can go to the website at heightschristian.org, click on the give button, and follow the prompts for a one-time gift or a recurring gift. Technology can be useful. The last message we receive in Malachi is to fear God. There are two ways to fear God. One is to have a reverence for God so that you honor Him in all that you do. And the other is to be afraid of God. When I see that to be afraid of God, this is not hiding in the corner. This is like when you were a child and your mom says, just wait till your father gets home. You're going to receive discipline. You know that you are loved. And this is, what I, this is what I see in my mind, that God is our Father. And when we wait for Him to discipline us, we understand that He is holy in this and that we need the correction. Now, even as kids, we didn't always get spanked by our daddies. But sometimes we had a, a loving hand that guided us. Let's read Malachi 3, 16 through 18. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his own son who serves him. And you will again... See the distinction between righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. When we fear God, we can be afraid of discipline, and so we act right. Or we revere God and honor Him by obeying His guidance in our lives, as well as having a good relationship with Him through prayer and study of His Word. Would you rob God of the opportunity of a good, strong relationship with you? Proverbs 9.10 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Imagine that when we fear God, when we revere God. It's the beginning of wisdom. And that means, uh, I'm sorry, Acts 9.31 tells us that all the churches in Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace, walked in fear of the Lord, and they were multiplied. That means that many others were brought to the faith because people walked in fear of the God. Heaven rejoiced when that happened. And heaven still rejoices When people come to Christ, regardless of your age or the sins of your past, heaven still rejoices. Heaven rejoice today with us. 
We are coming close, if not have already surpassed double digits since December on baptisms. And I love to see it. I love to see people come to Christ and I love to see people baptized. So our attitude, if your attitude about God causes someone else not to come to him, that is on you. I'll tell you what I mean with that. Back in 1987, 30, almost 36 years ago, 35 years ago, see math isn't my strong suit, almost 35 years ago when I was in training for the army at Fort Knox, Kentucky, we had an atheist in our platoon. Several other people, the good Christian people that were there, who were bigger than me, wanted to go beat him up. Because I guess that's how you get to heaven, right? You beat the out of someone. And I went and talked to him. I said, hey man, I hear you're an atheist. He goes, yeah. I said, you know these guys want to beat you up. And they were coming up behind me. He said, they do. I said, yeah, I don't know why. Because they're supposed to show the love of Christ for you. So I turned around and I looked at these guys. There was about six of them, as I said, bigger than I am. Of course, this was before I did bodybuilding and bulked up. But (laughs) these arms aren't natural. Anyway, so I turned around and I looked at these guys and I said, you want to beat him up? He said, yeah, you're going to join us? I said, you're going to go through me first. And they looked at me. Now, mind you, I'm smaller than them. I was 18 at the time. And I'm smaller than them. I said, you'll go through me first. You will not lay a hand on him. And they said, okay. And they turned around. I was scared. More scared than I am up here right now, but I was scared. We were in training seven weeks. The very last week, this young atheist went to church. Because my attitude towards him and living a life in Christ that he saw, because I talked to him the other times, led him to go to church. What happened after that, I don't know. It was the last day of training. But these things happen when you're in the military. So we've covered Malachi 3 fairly well. We can rob God through many different ways, and that's through not tithing, through not obeying Him, through denying Him a relationship with us or with someone else because of our attitude. God brings us hope, and good things happen when we obey and fear the Lord. So throughout the prophets, we saw the chastisement that God had for those whom He loves. And he always provides a way to come back to him. So develop a relationship with Jesus. Read his word. Pray. And he will answer you. Do you have that relationship with him today? Do you obey the commands to be generous in what he has given you? Or do you rob God of what is his? Understand this, when you rob God, you rob yourself. Let's go ahead and stand.
Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for reminding us that when we rob you of what is rightfully yours, we end up robbing ourselves of what you want for us. We thank you for your faithfulness in guiding our lives through the Holy Spirit, and we thank you for the salvation that these things have given to us. Father, we ask that you'll pour a blessing out on those who seek faithfully to obey your commands and give the tithes and lay it on our hearts when we need to give extra in offerings to help those among us who are in need. Grant us the opportunity to teach others about the gospel of Christ and the boldness to do it. Watch over us as we leave here and may our lives bring honor and glory to you. And Father, we also ask that you'll pray that you'll... uh, Protect El Porvenir Christian Camp. Protect the camp up there. Father, we ask that the winds will die down and the fires will be put out to save what belongs to you. For it's the name of Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.